For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. Love has carried us Ephesians 3, 1-12 This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of the Lord. The vision of Genesis, this idealistic idea Uh, that we would join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. Now, a new beginning happens anytime a new kind of light shines in any kind of darkness so that you can see yourself and God and others and your circumstances in a new way. That's a new beginning. Doesn't always mean your circumstances change doesn't always mean something shiny and happy happens. It means that you can now see God, yourself, others, and your circumstances in a new way. A light has come in the darkness. That's a new beginning. And the seasons of the church calendar, we just went through Advent, where we spent four weeks waiting for the light, learning that the darkness has its place in the world. And then Christmas tide, where we celebrated the arrival of Jesus the Christ, and now, as Sarah said, Epiphany begins, and it goes all the way through Ash Wednesday, all the way through Lent. It's about six or seven weeks this year. It's long this year. Epiphany comes from the Greek word phenane, which means to cause to appear or to bring to light. So Epiphany is a season of enlightenment where we focus our attention on the life of Jesus, watching him heal, listening to him teach, and coming to a greater, greater understanding of who he really is. So during Epiphany, we're enlightened in the seeing. And every year, the beginning of January, this is our fifth one, we take some time to hear from members of our community. 
that are experiencing new beginnings. Today, we're going to hear from Cassandra Brandvold and Mitch Bankus. So please uh, give it up for Cassandra, who's going first. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, wow, this is a lot. Okay. Um, I'm Cassandra, as Steve said. Um, I work at Medica Health Insurance, and I'm a marriage and family therapy graduate student. Um, and I've been coming to Genesis actually for about three years, um, but the timing somehow never ended up being right to really connect. Um, either I had school on the days that community groups were meeting, or I had family things, and I was still involved with my old church. And I knew that something was still here for me, though, so I kept coming. Uh, and so when Steve asked me to share, and he didn't know most of my story, I was like, well, the Spirit seems to be doing something here. Um, because I can't think of a different year that has been more life-changing, I guess. Um, 2018 started out pretty rough for me. I uh, ended a four-and-a-half-year long-term relationship that was just unhealthy. And I was pretty deep in some depression and anxiety stuff. And I've always had a good connection with the spirit. I've always felt very connected. I've never felt lost. But when your depression brain keeps telling you that you're not good enough or nobody really wants to hear you, everything just kind of seems dampened and you can't really see anything clearly. Uh, everything just kind of becomes numb. And you can't really distinct um, from what's good and what's, what's hard. So as an Enneagram 2, as Steve mentioned, um, I, this wasn't planned. <laughs> um, I, that means that I tend to take care of others' needs before my own. And so 2018 was a lot of forcing myself to look at my own needs. And then once I realized that I had needs, I had to like, figure out how to take care of my needs, which was harder than I thought it would be. Um, and so it was a long journey of realizing that I can take care of myself, I can take care of my needs, that I have worth, and I can see that and take care of it myself. And then this summer, I met some really amazing people. I met my boyfriend, Nate, and got um, stronger relationships with some of my friends, including Maddie, who's also here today. Um, and they really helped me to remember that, wow, there are equitable, like equal relationships out there that you can be vulnerable with and you can share your needs and you can fall apart and they're not gonna shame you and they're not going to like look at you funny or leave you or whatever. Um, and so that was kind of confirming what I'd already been working on of, yes, I can be vulnerable, I can have needs, I can have troubles and I can also still be all of me. Um, and so this summer, uh, Nate and I took a trip up to Jay Cook State Park, um, and we were walking, um, hiking this trail, and we got to the end of it, and there was nothing really special about it. We're like, oh, well, that's a bummer of an end of a trail. Um, <laughs> and there was this guy and his son packing up their camping site, and they're like, oh, no, there's like a little tiny trail um, down here that leads you to the bank of the river, and there's a nice place to sit, and it's super nice, and we're like, oh, that's different. Um, and then once we were down there, when we were sitting by the river, I felt this need to sing um, the gospel hymn down to the river to pray. And I had sung that in choir um, two different times. I was really familiar with it. 
But I hadn't been in choir for years. I hadn't sung in years. My depression had kind of dampened my voice in that way too. And this was a newer relationship. I was like, why do I need to be singing on a river? I like, no, 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 I don't need to be doing this. Um, but it didn't go away. So I decided to go to the river and stick my feet in. Um, and I still don't really know what happened exactly, but I think God redeemed so many things that day. Um, as I was singing, I just felt like he was redeeming me and all of my past experiences that they needed to be there to come to this river, that he was redeeming both the history of the song, he was redeeming the river. I felt like I was in the past and the present and the future all at once. Um, it was truly a mind-blowing experience. Um, I can only kind of explain it in the fact of like, if you have a levee um, and there's a bunch of things clogging it, water is still going through, but it's more of a trickle. Um, and sometimes all you need is a little shift in the um, gunk that's kind of blocking it so that it can rush through again. And that's kind of how I felt that my depression had been, is that I was never disconnected from God. I was never disconnected from the Spirit. But it was only a trickle that I was getting through. Um, and somehow he had just shifted a little bit at that river, and I felt like all of the Spirit just rushing through me. And it was truly, truly incredible. Um, and since then, I felt like all of the growth that was pent up behind the the gunk of the levee has like tripled threefold that I've like enjoyed um, all the spiritual growth that had um, been dormant for three years while I was in my winter of just trying to preserve myself, just trying to make it through. Um, and so now I feel like God is inviting me into a lot of new beginnings of trusting my gut, of trusting myself, of realizing it's okay to have needs and it's okay to share them. Um, and realizing that it's okay to make mistakes and you probably should make mistakes. So I'm really happy to finally be here with you guys, um, even though I've been here for three years. Um, so I'm excited to get to know you. Um, thanks. And now we have Mitch. Thank you. I honestly thought we were supposed to use our notes, but I'm going to, so that's just the way I am. And uh, I know what you're thinking. Who is this guy? Seriously, does he even go to Genesis? I get it, and I accept your judgment. I haven't exactly been a beacon of churchy commitment around here. And most of you have no idea. I guess we could do an all-play. Who knows I've been attending for, I don't know, two or three years? Okay, there's a couple of people. Great, thank you. But most of you have no idea I've been attending Genesis for a couple of years because, well, I haven't really wanted you to know. I normally come in right before the service and leave right after the service. Quite frankly, the most awkward and least favorite part of my week is Sunday morning around 11 o'clock when the worship leader stands up and smiles and says, turn around and greet one another. Show some love. 
seriously thought about coming to church 15 minutes late in order to bypass that part of the service, but I have this deep need to be punctual, which may or may not border on obsessive, so it's not really an option for me. So thanks a lot, Dad. Appreciate that. So part of my story is that I was raised and immersed and even a pastor for 24 years in an evangelical church culture that prided itself on certitude. We had an answer for everything, and we had a solution for every problem. Our model was the classic, God said it, I believe it, and what? That settles it. That's right. Now, if you have ever suffered through a Christian movie, maybe you know what I'm talking about. It's the same faith formula, the same actors even, a lot of these things, just a different title, all right? War Room, Courageous, Facing the Giants, God's Not Dead, Not Once, Not Twice, But Three Times, just in case you weren't sure. But the foundational message is that life will always work out for the best if only you have enough faith in God. Pretty straightforward, pretty self-righteous blueprint we use. The addiction is overcome, the marriage is saved, the family restored, the cancer is cured, the prodigal comes home. After all, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine. You just got to ask and believe long enough, strong enough, so that you too can have a powerful glory story to share to the world, just like in the movies. But my life hasn't exactly played out like a movie, and it sure hasn't become some great glory story. Yes, sadly, we actually use that term in some of the churches I served in. You see, it was about four years ago when the wheels of that faith started coming off for me. In October, it seemed like I had more new endings in my life than new beginnings. In October 2014, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer. February 2015, my wife and I separated. April 2015, my dad died. November 2015, my son told, me, told us that he was gay. And before I could catch my breath in January 2016, my middle daughter told us she was gay. <laughs> oh, gal. You talk about God blowing my evangelical certitude completely out of the water. Not once, but twice. This guy needs an extra stick of dynamite. February 2016, my wife and I came back together. Yay! One year later, March 2017, my wife and I separated again. January 8, 2018, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. January 25th, mom died of cancer. September 11th, my wife and I have almost 30 years signed our divorce papers. October 9th, our divorce was final. And then on November 12th, 2018, I know I don't look it, but I turned 55. And for some reason, that has been just this huge deal for me. I don't know why. I got an art breathing down my neck. Pickleball is my favorite sport, but I haven't been able to play for a month because I hurt my shoulder playing pickleball. I live in a 12 by 10 bedroom. And don't get me started eating Christmas dinner at Denny's this year with my sister. Very sad and very pathetic. Now, please understand, I don't share this with you in order to invoke any of your 
sympathies because I'm fully aware that a lot of people have it much worse than I do. But the truth is, for me, sometimes life just sucks. And often there's not a damn thing my faith in God can do to prevent it from sucking. And I don't mean to be a Danny Downer this morning, but honestly, that's why I came to Genesis, and that's why I've stayed here. Not to be gloomy and depressed, but to be honest and authentic with where I'm at on my faith journey. And sometimes I find myself, sometimes, I find myself resonating with David when he wrote in Psalm 88, I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Darkness is my closest friend. I think the Message Bible actually ends this chapter with hashtag blessed life. Hashtag Jesus, me, and coffee. I might be lying about that. I suppose some would say maybe I lost my way. I was backslidden. I didn't believe enough. My faith wasn't strong enough. But I would say that it felt like my life was blown to hell and I just couldn't do the faithy churchy thing anymore. I couldn't paint a smile on my face, pretend that everything was all right, and chant some pithy quote like, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Because God didn't seem very good to me. And sometimes he still doesn't. But pretending was not an option for me anymore. I love what Brennan Manning wrote in his book, Abba's Child. He said, in a futile attempt to erase our past, or I would say pretending everything is okay, we deprive the community of our healing gift. If we conceal our wounds out of fear and shame, our inner darkness can neither be illuminated nor become a light for others. And so this morning, as I give my attempt at least to become a light for others, honestly, I don't have some great new beginning story to tell you. Heck, I wasn't even sure why Steve asked me to do this thing in the first place. But since he did, and I eventually agreed to share part of my story, very simply, my new beginning, I suppose, goes something like this. Whether my life blows or whether my life is beautiful, whether my hands are lifted in praise or whether my middle fingers are lifted in anger, I'm going to keep following Jesus. I'm going to keep hanging on to God. Stuck. Even if it's by a thread sometimes. And I'm going to keep having meaningful conversations and building deeper relationships with my family and my friends and maybe, maybe even with some people right here at Genesis. You never know. And I'm going to keep on doing a lot of lo live local music, too, because it brings me joy and makes me happy. I don't play anything. I just listen. That said, I'm grateful for everyone who makes up this quirky little family called Genesis. Honestly, this place has been like a spiritual detox center for me. It's a place where I'm free to feel things, a place where I can ask questions and question things that I've always believed. The place that realizes that life is more about shades of gray than it is black and white. And it's a place that sometimes messes up and blows it and needs a new beginning, just like I do, and maybe just like you do as well.
You know, it's funny, uh, both Cassandra and Mitch both kind of said, I don't know why Steve asked me to share. <laughs> now you know. Thank you, Cassandra. Thank you, Mitch. So meaningful and so beautiful. Every time we do this, I am reminded why it's so important to hear from each other. The voice of the chorus really is the voice. Amen. So some thoughts as we wrap up. I think we're experiencing a new beginning for Genesis in this season. Four and a half years into our life as a church. Part of the reason why I say that is because, as we all know, we've experienced a, a big loss this fall when we had to eliminate Steve Haynes' position, and we're still processing what life at Genesis is like without Steve on staff. And that's hard. And we're now receiving new members where the community is taking ownership and responsibility of the church in a brand new way. And that's a new beginning for you. It's also a new beginning for me to learn how to be in this church in a different way with people taking more ownership and more responsibility. And the world is in a much different place than it was in 2014 when we started. The level of anxiety and fear and division is huge and it seems to be growing. So from time to time, I despair about what in the world are we trying to even do here? This little church, one service, are we making any difference at all? And is there any need for another church? Well, <clears throat> um, we don't talk a lot about our mission, our vision, we know, new beginnings, cultivating new beginnings. But our mission is becoming ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, ourselves, and others wholeheartedly. And as I've prayed and talked to God about this new beginning for Genesis, I'm becoming more and more convinced that that mission will become central in who we are becoming. What does it mean to organize our life together around learning to love? God, ourselves, and others. So we're going to be asking questions like, what environments are necessary to address people's unique needs and developmental levels so that we can learn to love God in the way that we need to, no matter what level of faith that we're at or background we have or despair or joy? What environments do we need so we can learn to love God? And then what people groups are not here in this community, maybe because they don't feel welcome here at Genesis for whatever reason. And how might we need to learn to love them in new ways? Amen? And then what does self-compassion look like? Cassandra talked about this so well, so that we can learn to love ourselves in new ways as well. Because if we miss that piece, we'll never, never learn how to love God or others. So I think we are in a new beginning as a church community. And I would invite you to um, be in it together. And I want to say something that feels risky, but I feel like I need to say it. 
from time to time, I've heard people sort of say this thing in a different way, and that is after the loss of Steve's position and Steve on staff, will we be the same as a church? Or will we be so radically different that I won't even know who we are? And I want to say out loud, and this is hard to say, but of course we'll be different. How could we not be? Without a person like Steve on staff, how could we not change and be different? Of course we will. And that's hard and painful. But I would invite you to do the hard work of learning to love and to become the people that we are. Now, we are often fond of saying we're verbs here. And that sounds really fun and kind of sexy until you have to like notice that it takes hard work to be a verb. Amen? So as we walk into this new beginning as a church, let's do it humbly. Let's do it prayerfully. Let's do it honestly, no pretending. Thanks, Mitch. And let's do it learning to love. Amen? So as part of um, today's New Beginning Sunday, I, um, I just wrote what the room was today um, as we listened to the stories. And I'm just going to read that for us now. Um, let me sing this next song. Captivated by salvation, still it's kind of dark and kind of narrow. Am I hidden? Are you hidden? Is this mystery made for me? Oh God, be careful with my walls. Let the cracks to the new sight, new experience, new more of who I am come tenderly and with a song. Take me down to the river to pray, to play a little deeper, and to dance in the dark. Is the light a certitude? Do I really need to stand, to sit, to face it, introduce myself? Introduce myself to the light? Is that a new ending, a new beginning? Is that death? Is that a life? Are you counting the days, the moments, the markers of time? Because sometimes life just sucks. Gosh, but the light is so honest. It hurts. It's so tender. It strikes like a new friend that recognizes us, sees us before we can even say our name, our new name whether my beauty is present or my fists are risen to my face, I believe. Because something, something is happening. There is a light and a little bit more of me is appearing. Mm -hmm.